Hey, Charlie. Hey. It's coming home. Is it? Yes. I'm not going to sing. Sing it. <laughs> Coming home. Home. It's, it's coming, coming home. It's coming home. But I don't know the tune. It's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming. It's gonna be really, really funny when it inevitably did not of come home. And this is coming home. This is the earliest editing, honey, you've ever heard. I just had to voice note in here to a explain what that was. That was us singing about the football. The Euros were just on. England made it through to the final. We didn't even know that at that point. As when we were singing, they'd only made it to the quarter or semi-finals. I am editing this episode the morning after we just lost on penalties to Italy mm-hmm. in the final. So. <clears throat> That was painful to listen to. Anyway, anyway, hi and welcome. No, well, oh my god, how do we start the intro? Welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Charlie and I'm Hannah, and we're two twenty-somethings reading our favourite childhood book, but with added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode, we're going to be chatting about chapter twenty-six of Order of the Phoenix. So grab a glass of your favourite German alcoholic liquid and join. Wait, this wasn't very good to read to drink a German alcohol before oh. the English football game. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oops. After no, after we just wrecked Germany last week. Yeah, wrecked. bitch. <laughs> anyway, this is all very topical, and many people listen to this podcast months later, and also are American and don't know what the euros are. Yeah, sorry, don't care. <laughs> Grab a glass of your favorite German alcoholic liquid and join us on this reminiscent journey. Hi, Charlie. Hi. How are you? Hungover. How are you? <laughs> Same. Although less hungover now we've started drinking. Oh yeah, no. Like I'm fine now. Yeah. But you know, just in terms of actual like medical facts, <laughs> hungover. Um, we were meant to not be recording today. We were meant to be at a wedding. If you guys remember um, mm. series three episode, Something. I can't remember what number, but it was the episode with uh, Amy Pocock or Hey Amy Jane on. Mm. she's getting married today she is we were going to her wedding but due to the changing covid restrictions we're no longer going (laughs) which is really sad but i mean the happy wedding day amy i hope that it's i hope they're having such a lovely day right now and like look how lucky they've been with the weather it's so so happy for them but yeah we were gonna like we had a hotel but we were gonna dress all cute although did you buy a dress no, no, because it got cancelled like a few weeks out. So yeah, yeah. but and my sister was going, so Hannah was going to be my sister. Yeah, Neil was going. We had a like Airbnb for the four of us. Be cute. But here we are with you guys instead recording the podcast. Yeah, we were just like, Use it like for the we were really sad, but we were also like, oh thank god, because we really needed more time to record the podcast. Literally saying that we were recording like three times in the next two weeks or whatever we are but mostly just because we have to do one episode at a time which is rare for us but mm. good but for it's you guys we have guests coming on Woo. who Woo. is the next guest make your predictions make your predictions that was lovely i know do you want to do some shout outs suppose that we must <laughs> but you don't know we're not forced to we make these decisions shall we start with the review though go for it so this is a review from um it's like having friends in brackets don't, don't worry, worry i'm fine, fine. um totally obsessed with this podcast which i've binged over the last month as a woman in the uk and a left-wing harry potter fan it's so great to listen to hannah and charlie feel a bit like when luna says it's like having friends about the da in book six in brackets yes i have friends i promise i'm not judging if you don't anyway please continue and would love you to do this with his dark materials and also a series of unfortunate events so that this never ends i love a series of unfortunate events yeah and i i 
always try to like reread it or mean to and stuff but it's like you really watch hard the Netflix to like find TV it. Yeah, yeah 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 literally so good I'm it's glad great. they finally did it justice same yeah I'm really glad yeah yeah I mean I will say once again I keep plugging them but Her Dark Materials they're literally us but they do His Dark Materials so I would recommend going to listen to them and yeah who will, who knows what podcast we will do next after this Ooh. okay so we also have some shout outs some new patrons to welcome to the family so a catastrophically large size thank you to kelsey who has upgraded their pledge a dick size thank you to dana <laughs> a Kit Kat chunky size thank you to katla a urinary tract size thank you to unlikely teaspoon you're gonna keep using body parts well now i am a venus flytrap size thank you to victoria a cock size thank you to caitlin a the planet mercury size thank you to marin a fallopian tube size thank you to Felice, Felicia. I don't know why. It's, it's either Felicia or Felicia. Felicia, Felicia, whatever it is. Thanks. Good fallopian tube. I like that, by the way. No, no, yeah. I'm getting real, real and niche. I'm with just going to copy it. An ovary size thank you to Olivia. Oh my God. We made so many parts of the genitals in that one. We did. Thank you so much for all joining the Patreon. The Patrons get access to at the lowest level, well, any level, the Discord where fun things happen mm. and at five dollars above you get access to the bonus episodes which we're actually keeping up with at the moment and we just recorded an episode with um our friend charlotte who's staying at my house at the moment she has never read harry potter and we asked her a load of questions about harry potter to it was very good it. it was very very good it was be- some of the answers she gave we were just looking at each other like oh my god so yeah that bonus episode will be up i'm not going to give you a timeline i don't want to make any promises it'll be up at some point at some point <laughs> some point in the future but thank you all so much for donating to the patron so the alcohol today i was about to say charlie what are you be drinking but you don't know i don't know i can't remember it's got passion fruit in it so our producer level patron simon has chosen our alcohol today and he requested that we drink berensen berensen traditions corn it is a german colorless spirit made from grain seed it is usually consumed as a shot or as a mixer for coat, Sprite, other soft drinks, but I personally like it with passion fruit. So Simon, go out and send Neil to buy passion fruit juice I did. And Amazing. We have Baretzen Traditions Corn. By the way, guys, really sorry if you can hear any noise. We're having to record in a different place today because of various reasons and it's not as soundproof. So just, yes. it's only this episode if there's Sauce. any background noise. Big fat sauce. Thirty-two percent. It's nice. I mostly just taste the passion fruit. Oh yeah, the passion fruit's so strong. I don't think I'm tasting the the mm. spirit. Let me see if there's anything in here. I Which could be dangerous. Oh, there's a tiny bit in here. I'm gonna try it straight. Sorry, that kind of just tastes like cheap vodka. Hmm. Interesting. Because we had a German booze before, didn't we? And it was quite grassy. That's, we've still got tiny bottles of that from the person that sent it to us. Oh, we still have we, those. Yeah, we need to do something with that. Well, we only have this, so we can drink one of those afterwards if you want yeah. to keep on the German theme if have we finish just, this halfway through the just episode. Just German theme. Yeah, German yeah. theme. Okay, so today we're talking about chapter 26, Seen and Unforeseen. Do, do, do. I love the drama of the title. So Harry has found it really difficult to talk to Rita, but he gets through the interview. This chapter is like taking off kind of straight after that. I think it's a few days or straight. It's hard to tell. But anyway, Harry says he found the interview difficult, but managed to get it all out, which I'm like, do you know what else is difficult to talk through, but you'll get it all out? Therapy. Therapy would also help. Yeah. Can confirm. Neville asks 
Harry if it was tough. Neville is just like a good background supportive friend. Like, he's yeah. just like, how did you find that? That must have been tough. Well, it's no like, you know, Neville on. would not, I just said Neville, you know, Ron wouldn't have thought to asked. ask that. No. Exactly. Like, Ron always has Harry's back, but Neville is more like emotionally in touch with people and yeah. Hermione then finally asked about Cho. She was like, how was your date? And I was like, hello, date ruiner. About here fucking just... time. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, um, no, I think the date ruiner was Cho. Well, yeah, but Hermione was the one to be like, fuck Cho and your date. Yeah. <laughs> Which um, was I, One of my favourite things to reread in the books is any of the chapters that like, any of the passages that aren't really to do with Voldemort, because like, obviously the trio's conversation entirely revolves around Voldemort a lot of the time and I really like it when they have conversations that are just like normal stuff and I yeah. it's like it's written in quite a nice way like I don't know I just find it really kind of heartwarming that like it's nice that they're because like we only see the snippets of their friendship which relate to the plot obviously because that's how books work but it's nice to like see these snippets of their friendship but they don't talk about things that relate to the plot because this is how they must be with each other all the time and that's like Unless they just actually have nothing in common and they're only friends because there's just so much drama constantly. Yeah, I mean, Ron and Harry are friends, but Hermione made friends with them because of a dramatic situation. So like a lot of her friendship does revolve around the drama and the solving. It's like work friends. And then you- Is that what you think of me? Yeah. When you no longer work together and then the friendship just fades, which is clearly what happened to me and Hannah when we used to work with each other four years ago. Now the podcast binds us together, but if we ever have to talk about anything else, oh God. Well, no, but this is the thing because we so rarely hang out when it's not the podcast. You say that, we hang out so much. But yeah, like the podcast takes up so much time. The it's podcast. Just, we hung out last night. I got you drunk. <laughs> no, I know. But like that. No, but that was really nice. I was like, oh my God, she actually wants to hang out with me when it's not a podcast recording. <laughs> well, yeah, like I had put makeup on that day. I, my fake tan had finished developing. Wow. You were in a pub. So you were like, like, not like, oh yeah, like I really wanted to see no, you. No, just finish. like, oh, I look hot. Let me finish. No, because sometimes like since COVID, obviously I'm not always dressed nice to folks. So if someone wants to do something randomly straight after work I'm like no I don't I don't really feel like it but I was like it's a Friday night Charlie's free you're like 10 minutes down the road let's fucking do it and it was yeah. such a good evening but this yeah but that was because I uh, literally finished work mm. and then it was like really sunny and warm and there's like a nice pub near the office that like you can sit literally like so you're like kind of half on the street the like big doors open out you can sit on it and I was like shall I go home and sit in my room and do nothing or shall I have a pint and I like stood on the street thinking hmm, like what should I do then I was like you know what I've got my kindle with me I'll go read a book and have a pint like there's a nice craft beer place so I did that and then I like sent Hannah a picture and then Hannah was like are you on your own are you alone can I come can I come like I know that we're seeing each other all day tomorrow and I was like uh yeah (laughs) and then we drunk then we drunk like six pints each and forgot the concept of dinner which don't recommend because Mm. we got home and i was like oh no i'm really drunk and i'd went by the time we met up i'd already had two pints so i yeah that was not our smartest like literally the thought never crossed my mind and i woke up this morning and i was like we have a busy day why the fuck did we do that (laughs) yeah literally just because but there's loads of places to eat around there. We could have just gone and got food. <laughs> I know, but like, it's it's that thing where it's like the most drunk I ever get is when I'm just like at a pub having pints because it because it doesn't feel like you're not out out. So you just but I don't was, that, associate actually getting really really drunk. But actually, those are when you get the most drunk because yeah. 
And you know, it made me so happy because me and Robin have this thing at work where like we keep saying one of the things we miss most that COVID has done is you no longer have those Fridays in the office where you have one drink and then you're like, oh, I'll go out for another one. And then suddenly it's 11 o'clock at night, you haven't eaten dinner and you're accidentally smashed with your colleagues. That was last night. And it was like the first time since COVID that that has happened. Just like a random evening out, like an unplanned evening out where you accidentally smashed because you should always remember to eat your meals, but we forgot to eat dinner. Yeah. But yeah, it was really fun. But also, yes, I did not think it through. I was like, oh, I'm just having some nice pints. And it's like, no, no, no. Pints count as alcohol. (laughs) Yes, they do. When we had a lot, I don't know how much I paid. I just like threw my card at the waitress And then we made some annoying friends. Some of them, they were okay at first. And then the more drunk they got, the worse they got. (laughs) Yeah. Well, starting out as a funny conversation about chips got very heavy. And it was suddenly like, oh no. Yeah, and like yeah, and like because we that kept trying to like break off, and we all what I do notice is when we hang out, not about the podcast, we end up having really deep, like emotional conversations. We do. So they were eavesdropping on us. So literally, we were talking about like such personal things, and then they would just be eavesdropping and joining it, and be like, "Hi." I would never do that to a stranger and then they were doing it to us. And it was like fine because it ended up being kind of funny and like whatever, but it was still like, I mean, it was funny, but also some bits of it were really fucking annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Where I was just like, shut the fuck up. Literally. Anyway, Anyway, so uh, (laughs) that was mine and Hannah's night out. Harry and Hermione are essentially having a pub night out apart from their 14. They're in the Great Hall and they're having lunch. Yeah. So Hermione asks about Cho and Hermione just straight up calls Harry tactless and Harry is shocked. I have never met someone with less tact than Harry Potter met. I have never read someone. He is the most tactless person I've ever seen. And he's like, me? Tactless? No, you're he's wrong. Just, he's tactless because he doesn't know that tact is a thing and because he doesn't comprehend that other people exist and have feelings. Harry <laughs> explains that like he upset Cho by saying that he had to meet her so that then Cho tried to make him jealous. Yeah, and Hermione's just like, yep, sounds about right. <laughs> it's so fucking toxic. It's like, I know. communicate and I understand, I know, disclaimer, I know that there's trauma and that they're both young but I'm just like, just don't deal with that by like, all it would have taken. And I feel like that's your natural reaction. You wouldn't w- even think you would be like, do what the fuck or like, oh, why are you meeting her or something? Yeah. I wouldn't question and say nothing yeah. and assume that the girl that he's friends with and then try to make him jealous are just yeah it toxic no yeah it's it's not great and Hermione says she didn't go about it in the right way I, I am actually shocked kind of Harry wants to get back I know. with her and it, it doesn't seem like he puts a lot of thought process into it like he like she runs up to him in the corridor and like later this chapter I think and he's just like oh okay and I'm like do you want to? Like, you were so pissed off at the end of that date. Is that something you want to do? Yeah. But anyway. But I mean, I think that that is a very, like, teenage thing of, like, you think that you should feel a certain way, especially yeah. if people are, like, attractive. So you don't actually consider whether you feel that way. And then I also think that it's a very common thing for people of all ages with, like, self-esteem issues. Like, I had a friend once, like... And she, like, would literally, like, go on a date and it would always be about, like, whether they liked her. And I'd always just be like, but, but you do like you them? like them? Like, yeah. literally, like, she went on a date one time 
and they like went to a zoo and afterwards like after the day it was like oh how was it she's like oh yeah it's good like but he was like really really quiet like he didn't say much so I didn't really get to know him so it was really hard to tell if he liked me or not and I was like so you're saying you went on a date and the guy barely spoke to you you should be asking if you liked him not if he liked you anyway yeah it's like he doesn't put that thought process in maybe and I do understand that because like it's from Harry's fits because it's like his first relationship. So he's just like a girl. And she's like, like a pretty older Quidditch exactly, player. Exactly. So Hermione explains that Harry should have acted reluctant to go and meet her and been like, oh, I have to go. And that she could have, he could have thrown in that Hermione is ugly for good measure. And this is one of my favorite Harry moments where he's just like, but I don't think I you're don't ugly. I don't think you're ugly. I'm like, you're so pure. Like you're such a good friend. Like he's, mm. a, he's a good friend to Hermione. He's just like, what? I don't, I don't think you're ugly. And Hermione's like, you really are just an idiot. And also I really, I I love hate it because like Hermione in this book in particular is so much more emotionally mature than the boys. But what I will say is I do think they have catch up with her by the end of book six and, and then in book seven, I think they've caught up with her. So therefore I do think there's some realism in her outstripping them this much, but it is the most apparent in this book when she's like, here, let me explain this like very basic mm. concept to you. And then Ron walks in and he's like, you should write a book on girls. And then one of my favorite lines happens because it's almost like Hermione admitting she likes Ron. Hermione says, you're hopeless. You're worse than Ron. But then she catches sight of Ron walking into the hall and she's like, actually, that's not true. I'm like, oh, baby yeah. girl. I feel like for many years, it's kind of like this unspoken thing between them that like they all know they that all that's know. what's going on. Yeah. Like in terms of And like, Harry just refuses to bring it up with either of them, which is like bad friend on his part. But he's like, I don't want to deal with this. So I'm not going to bring it up. Yeah. And he just like does the typical like man thing of just not talking about emotions. Yeah. It's like, dude, talk about your fucking emotions. Mm. Yeah. But I also think it's like, it's crazy that like, the thing is like, Hermione tells him what he should have done, but it's like, no, he, he shouldn't have had to do that. That's not like a healthy thing to have to do. No, like, he was acting extremely awkward on the date, which would have like, like made it worse. And there are better ways he could but, have phrased the fact he was going to meet Hermione. But yeah, what the reaction his brain, wasn't his fault. I, but yeah, like I, but I think in his brain, like he's just he's got to go meet a friend after, like, and it wasn't a big deal. So why would he have kind of gone into that with a big disclaimer? But. I also think, and I think we probably mentioned this a bit like last episode or like whenever the date was, but like, what was Hermione thinking? We kind of talked about the whole thing about how it's not fair to like re-traumatize Harry, but Hermione's like, oh, bring her along. And it's like, what? So she can listen yeah, to the interview we, yeah, like, where he talks about how her ex-boyfriend died when they're on their first date. And, like, and this is where Hermione almost has that, she almost has an element and I kind of like this. Okay, so like Dumbledore is a really intelligent person who got swept up into the for the greater good rhetoric for a while. I can see tiny elements of that sometimes in Hermione. Mm. She's like, the biggest, the bigger picture is the most important thing here rather than the individual personal yeah. things that I'm causing. And especially right now at the age she is, because this book is where Hermione is at her most stubborn, her most, she has some of her most dislikable traits in this book. Like, all three of them, Harry, Ron, Hermione, are the most kind of polarizing in their good and bad qualities in this yeah. book, I think. And that's very realistic of being 15. Like, it's so realistic. They yeah. mellow out a lot more in the next two books, which is also realistic. But yeah, she's like, this is what I need to do. 
and she she sometimes is like it doesn't matter about the small consequences of that. yeah i also think that there could have been like good but misguided intentions with it where she knows that cho having no information and having had no one to talk about this with is causing cho an incredible amount of mental stress yeah and actually cho does need, need to, to hear, hear this it. and yeah. as we find out like after she reads it like i think that it does give her like a sense of relief and release and maybe part of Hermione's thinking was oh like this is the best thing for Cho to hear this yeah. even though it will suck and it's horrible like she needs to hear this and needs to be part of this conversation and maybe I mean I doubt it because I think Hermione's just being a dick in this book but maybe part of her thinking was that this is not the best thing for Harry and Cho but this is the best thing for Cho and it's okay kind of that she was maybe trying to prioritize cho over cho and harry's relationship because yeah. realistically yeah these are not two people that should be together no they're so terrible together so yeah what ron walks in the hall hermione makes a comment that harry isn't as bad as ron which i'm just like you're so in love with this really stupid boy <laughs> i love it <laughs> yeah he's so clueless in this book so he's in a bad mood comes in and just then when we get some of the most generalized assumptions about boys and girls ever ron's like boys are boys don't think like that and hermione's like well G- girls do and it's all about how like making uh. people jealous and like and t- t- why don't they just explain how they feel and it's like super generalized but it is the way 15 year olds speak like because it's yeah. the way you try to best well, understand things and i'd be really interested to like know if they do now because like i feel like this was like such a thing at the time like mm. when we were like teenagers and kids and stuff where like the whole oh you need a book to understand girls was like such a thing oh yeah and like i don't hear it as much now but maybe that's just the age we are but maybe things have changed with the time but like it just that has always annoyed me so much i'm just like women aren't complicated if anything i think men are the ones that are complicated like because men are so fucking self-absorbed that no matter what you say they always like center it around them and like they won't take your word for it and it's kind of like it's kind of because we've grown up with this whole thing of like women don't say what they mean and women lie and play games that I think that in some way men expect that but actually because men are expecting that and kind of responding to that even when it just isn't ever there yeah it kind of means that the men are the ones that kind of end up being really complicated and playing games but also just because men think that it's like the world revolves around them and everyone must be in love with them. And it's like, no matter what you say to men, you can be like, I am just interested in you as like friends with benefits or sex. And they'll be like, she must be in love with me. She's going to fall in love She's with me. She's going to fall in love with me. And it's like, dude, no. Now you're making sweeping generalizations about men and women. <laughs> I am, but men are the worst. <laughs> Once that again, is Herm- with the, is Charlie a lesbian? <laughs> that is also just... Hermione in this chapter she's like looking at her two best friends like you two are literally the worst yeah but it's like but like my point stands because in this Ron is literally saying to Hermione like oh women are so hard to understand why don't they just say what they think and it's like have you done that Ron have you done that yeah have you told Hermione how you feel no because he doesn't understand how he feels because he's stupid exactly but it's hypocritical this is my point I know I know men make it complicated not women 
So they go back to the common room and Fred and George come over and they're talking about the Quidditch practice and the new Quidditch team. And obviously Ginny has been put on the Quidditch team and Hermione reveals that Ginny has been stealing the boys' brooms since the age of six to practice Quidditch. And number one, why couldn't she have one? Like, I know the Wheezies don't have much money, but Ginny would have been at home playing by the time Bill was at Hogwarts, I suppose he would have taken his own broom. But anyway, there was money to like scrape to get six brooms for the boys. But like, it was never considered that Ginny might want one. Like, yeah. Or it could have been like the youngest to share or something. Maybe, but like she never had one. Or like Charlie was working away from home. So like not, I suppose, till Ginny was like nine or 10. But yeah, like I feel like it's one of these things where Mrs. Weasley didn't, think she was being sexist but it was an automatic thought that all the boys would want brooms so she would like work like they would try to get them if they were getting them second hand if they were i don't know finding rooms on the street like you do in london you sometimes find a sofa on the street but like it wasn't a thought that Ginny would get one yeah number two hermione and Ginny's friendship like I just love when we get these hints where Hermione's just like, yeah, she's been stealing them since she was the age of six. And like, none of the boys know this. None of them know this. But Hermione must have not, must have known this information for actually a few years. Just never bothered to reveal it. And I'm just like, I love their friendship so much. Like, I think it is, from what we were just saying with Hermione being frustrated with the boys, so good for her. It's so good for Ginny. Yeah. On the like broom thing, I'm like, I'm struggling to think, I know that there's loads and loads of examples of my life where this has kind of happened to me. I can only think of like one real example at the minute but I know that this is like so familiar because it's happened over and over and I think part of this is because my dad is like quite a sexist person like not in like a bad or a malicious way just in the way that he's been being brought up and yeah, yeah. socialized and stuff and he had two daughters so it means that like he just he's always wanted a son and he always just like assumes a lot of things about us as like women and then stuff and there's been so many times where this kind of thing because I'm like the thing is, like, I'm not even... Growing up, like, I was a tomboy. I wouldn't even say that I'm a tomboy now. It's just that I'm a three-dimensional woman who... I mean, no woman out there completely sticks to gender norms. Yeah. Like, that's just... Gender norms are just, like, wild stereotypes and no one ever fits that, no. like, 100%. So, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm a tomboy or blah, 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 like, masculine things. Like, no, I'm just, like, a three-dimensional real human being and... Like, my dad won't always acknowledge that. So, like, there's been times in the past, like, especially times in our lives when me and my sister have both had boyfriends at the same time, when my dad will, like, try and do things, like, with the boyfriends and just straight up, like, not invite us or even ask us like like there's been times like we went on holiday with like the boyfriends at one point they were like oh like let's all like get go-karts so they did like go-kart racing and my dad fucking love go-karting but my dad didn't even say oh harriet and charlie do you like want to go like just all the boys just like pissed off i fucking love go-karting yeah and it wasn't even like i wasn't even asked it's just like they just went and did it and it's like they didn't even and i'm like i fucking would have loved to do that like there's literally so many things like that that have happened in my life and i think hobbies especially as a child have a lot of assumptions about them like growing up you have like not like parents are intentionally being sexist it's the school system and everything but like you are funneled into certain hobbies like i did dance from three my brother never did that we were just like funneled it like we both did swimming but like my brother went Mm. to tennis and i went to dance like you you're funneled into certain things that have like 
in a non-malicious way I love dance so I'm literally not complaining like dance is the best thing I did actually join the football club when I was six and I was the only girl on it and all the other girls in my year were in the netball club and I ended up quitting the football club because the boys were mean to me and all that I was upset that I wasn't hanging out with all the girls so I joined the netball club for a year and I fucking hate netball it's the worst sport ever so I quit very quickly yeah but I look like football so i don't know i didn't stick with it it's a shame yeah i at least had the advantage here where like because i didn't have a brother and because i was like the most tomboyish like my sister is like very very girly and feminine yeah so my dad would just like treat me as a surrogate man (laughs) until i got with my ex-boyfriend who he then like treated as his like son even long 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 after we I'm broke up i'm looking forward to seeing um, his differing reactions to me and neil so like my dad like growing up like taught me how to build computers from scratch and stuff like that because yeah. there was no man so at least like i didn't get it then however i fully if i'd had a brother that wouldn't have happened yeah but yeah like this is like another thing my like my dad like he literally i was home last weekend and he said it again and he keeps saying he's he's like oh i can't wait to like meet neil and take him to the pub i'm like where's hannah in this picture i love like, the pub i fucking love i love the pub more than Neil. Exactly. So like it I just yeah, it it really annoys me. But I'm it's like, like none of this I don't think Mr. and Mrs. Weasley were being malicious. I don't think any of this is malicious because it's the society it's the society we're brought up in. And like it's very obvious reading the books that Ginny is not a typically girly girl. She has like feminine traits, absolutely, but it's pretty obvious she's not like coded as a tomboy, but She's kind of one of the lads quite a lot of the time. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. you know, she grew up around a brothers. A bit that, not like other girls. Oh, I just get along better with men. But like, I don't think that quite is ever done no, to her. No, 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 no. But I think that's the frame of mind that JK was in because JK is and so And I think that's why Harry likes her. Yeah. Yeah, I find it interesting that she never got a broom, but also the fact she was breaking into the shed from age six. Queen, icon, literally one of the best characters and her and Hermione are everything. So the Quidditch game goes badly. Harry is, to quote from the books, quite impressed by Ginny's performance, but knows that if he was on the pitch, he could have caught the snitch sooner. I want to snap his neck. I want to kill him. Just want Who him. ends up being an international Quidditch player, huh? Mm-hmm. Or not international, a uh, national Quidditch player, Harry. It wasn't fucking you, was it? Snap it was the neck, Ginny. snap the neck, snap the neck. Honestly, and when he's like, he's quite impressed, but he could have done better. I'm like, it's her first fucking game. He could, could you have done better when you were a fucking 11, mate? He could have just said, I was quite impressed. You don't have to be like, but I'm better. Could have done it better. It's like when men watch women's football, which don't even get me started on the fact that women's football isn't on TV and isn't beautiful. And when people are like, the men, football, England, it hasn't come home. They haven't gone to the finals since the 1960s. I'm like, the men haven't gone to the finals since the 1960s. But anyway, when like literally men on Twitter and men down the pub are like, I could have scored a goal faster if like, oh, that keeper wasn't it. Like specifically with the women. I'm like, do you want to die? Do you want to die? Mm-hmm. But, but also I wrote, is this the start of Harry fancying her? There's a very good chance it is because he's seen her on a broom. Because like we know from this point he isn't as keen on Cho. He never like talks about Cho again in a very romantic sense. He's kind of sick of her. Yeah. But... There are instances after this that I'm going to like pull out where like he is impressed at Ginny or like been like, oh, I can talk to her. I also, yeah, I think this is a start of him actually just getting to know Know her her and like seeing her as like a real human being. Wow. She has thoughts and feelings. Sister. Sister. Harry tries occlumency before bed and fails and dreams of the door. And next Monday, the quibbler is released with Harry's article. And they realise because Harry gets 
loads of letters, which I find it wild that people are just allowed to send letters to these kids. Like Hermione literally got her hands nearly burnt off last year yeah. and still there is nothing in place to stop no random letters to being sent to these children. And also one of them like encloses a picture. I'm like, this um, child is a child. Yep, literally my note was someone sent him nudes. Like it's not explicitly said, but it's I don't implied. think it's nudes. No, I think, I think her breasts nudes. are pretty pushed up. I, no, I think it's nudes. I think that's, but like he is literally a child so arrest this woman and even if he wasn't a child there is no consent there he didn't consent this is the exact same as if a man sent a dick pic you know honestly yeah it's wild to me that there is no safeguarding on letters being sent to them like on uh, umbridge comes over and she is like angry at all these letters and harry just gives one of his classic harry sassy lines he's like uh what's all this and he's like and, and no, and she, he says, I did an interview. And she's like, an interview? And she's like, he's like, yeah, you know, when a reporter asks you questions and you answer them, I'm like, noise. Sassy Harry is mm-hmm. the best, Harry. Umbridge punishes him for lying outside. So like she punishes him regularly for lying about Voldemort being back. But in this instance, she's punishing him for an event which happened outside of school, published in a newspaper, which has nothing to do with the school. And I'm like, I know she has powers more than the other teachers do, but like, is That's there a not... jurisdiction here? Like, yeah. can she punish him? I suppose yes, because he technically lives at the school. So, like, yeah. It's like she can, but she shouldn't. She shouldn't, obviously. Yeah. And in the most idiotic move she has ever done, she puts up posters banning the quibbler. Which, as Hermione says, will just make everyone want to read of it. Of course it will. And I know that Hermione never would, but, like, Hermione should go into PR because she just understands honestly she just gets it but also she could go umbridge, into like political pr yeah but umbridge is just such an idiot i'm like how did how did you think that wouldn't backfire so everyone is talking about the article like girls are even talking about it in the toilets hermione's like i could hear them talking about it in the cubicles i'm like cute yeah cho runs up to harry and says she's really sorry and whispers in his ear and harry's like yay guess i'm back with cho Seamus says he believes Harry, which is great. All good. Harry's really happy. He's being given like house points and all of this. Love all of the teachers finding their own little ways. Like, like Prof T, as I call her, because I can't spell her name. Prof T. Like, no longer predicts that he's gonna die. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And like giving him 10 points for like handing over a watering can. It's just so cute. I love the I love the teachers. And this is why I'd love a TV show with all the extra things, because I'd love like them the teachers meeting up outside the staff room and being like oh my god look at this yeah like smuggling each other and like putting like spells to duplicate copies of the quibbler and like they're the ones handing it out to the and pupils like, yeah or like teaching the pupils how to disguise it and yeah because like where did all these copies come from well it says like well this is something that i kind of picked up on it says that it harry describes how they're being hidden they're being made to look like pages yeah. in a book la, la, la. but like they all read it that day newspapers in this world are on advance order so how have they suddenly all got them that day unless they're multiplying it but shouldn't newspapers not have multiplying spells on because then everyone the would just is multiply like, them is it a newspaper though i picture it like a feminist scene <laughs> 
sure <laughs> literally just like a zine so maybe it's it like literally it's just like photocopies and maybe they're just like making copies of the copies maybe but i do like to think yeah that like so, oh people was like walking down the corridor with it like untransfigured in their bag and professor mcgonagall comes up and like goes to tell them off and then she's like could you learn how to transfigure that yeah <laughs> she tells them off for not having transfigured it not for having it yeah she's like transfigure it better. i taught you this like, the other week literally you were or in this fucking maybe lesson. literally this is that now, day like, this is what happened like this is McGonagall, pure that day is all like, of her today. lessons swaps the lesson plan so it's how to, to transfigure like paper and yes. stuff yes Harry's like everyone transfigured it I'm like McGonagall was teaching every year group like here's a zine and here's a um, page out your textbooks we're gonna learn how to transfigure one to the other yeah <laughs> love it headcanon ah. accepted so yeah Harry has a vision that evening and it's Rookwood telling Voldemort that Bode couldn't have taken it we don't know what it is but Bode couldn't have taken it Rookwood is absolutely terrified of Voldemort even though he is the one being praised like in this scene Rookwood uh, Voldemort is like you've done well you've told me this information Rookwood is nearly crying with fear like Voldemort is a terrible ruler (laughs) because there is only so long you can rule over people by fear like especially your inner circle you have to give them praise and like love or fake love or something like you can't rule over people on pure fear forever so Harry wakes to Ron helping him and like I know we've been roasting Ron's friendship abilities in the last few chapters but like he is always so good with these essentially fits that Harry is having like Mm. he like pulls into his feet like asks him what's going on and like he's had to deal with this so many times and also one of the last times he had to deal with it his own father had nearly been killed I would say still Ron is weirdly confused at this point and I'm just like you know the drill by now you know what's happening. I'm sad he didn't slap like, him about the face again. He's not had like a nightmare about Care Bears. You know what's going on. Well, you know? he was no. He was asking what has Voldemort's like seen. What what's happening? I don't know. I think we should appreciate Ron's friendships in these in these times because he's a not the best you friend for all these books. Ron. I do stand Ron. Uh, friend- You're a Ron apologist. <laughs> there is um, an awful male character in Buffy, which is kind of the equivalent of Ron. Great. I'm and- sure I love him. This is the thing, because I think that you will hate him, but oh. I'm also like, but he is the Ron equivalent. Mm, so I'm kind of we'll worried um, if, in case you like him. <laughs> the next day in the courtyard, Fred and George are selling hats like under their cloak to the kids. And this full on made me think of, and I'm assuming you had it because every school did, that kid who buys the sweets from Costco and then sells them in the school play yard, playground for 10 times the price. I don't know if we did, but maybe I wouldn't have been privy to it. Oh, I feel like every school has this. I just, I wasn't very popular, so maybe just no one told me. And also, like, we literally had, like, a shop, like, two seconds from the school. So, like, kind of anyone could. We, what we did have, there was, like, a phase at one point of, like, beaded animals. Like, you would take beads and wire and, like, make, like, little, like, animals out of them. And I would do that and I used to sell them. <laughs> okay, Roaring so trade. You're the kid of Fred and George, uh, like that I'm comparing Fred and George to. No, in my school, it was like the thing, like the kid who's like mum had a Costco card, he would go and buy. And I specifically remember, do you remember those like sherbet uh, stick things? Like long rainbow sticks of sherbet. And they cost like 10p in the corner shop, but the corner shop wasn't that near our school. Uh, but when you buy them in Costco, they work out like, two to five p a stick like so cheap and he would then sell them for 50p a stick in the school courtyard and because we couldn't get sweets it's anywhere else rip off. 
we would we, we, we would buy them bet he's a Tory now mm-hmm. like he was making bank but like he's someone who like owns his own business now and it's like anyone can do it if I have got here from where I am today anyone can do it bet he's in a pyramid scheme <laughs> he's in a pyramid Hermione realises they're talking about people who've been imperious. So basically we know that Bode was under the imperious curse when he tried to take whatever it was, but it would never have worked. Lucius's information was wrong. And Hermione realised that Sturgis was probably under the imperious curse too when he got... So Sturgis is the order member who was arrested for trying to get in a door and Hermione's like, oh, he was probably imperious. Like... It's funny, this is where I would, again, love the TV show, or just, like, love it to be written in a different way. Because, like, the trio are so far behind on the information that the Order is probably ten weeks ahead on. Like, Hermione's like, he was probably imperialist. That imperialist thing happened in September. Yeah. And this is now February. The Order have known about it for this long and have been trying to deal with it. And this would be really fun to, like, watch the two juxtaposition of, like, the adults knowing that, trying to deal with that, and the kids only just working it out. Yeah. It's a few weeks later, this chapter is a bit jumpy. A few weeks later, Harry is in Occlumency, and Snape go, go gods, gads, goads. I can read my nose. Harry about Voldy and the Death Eaters, and Harry snaps back that, like, Snape is like, it's not your job to know what the Dark Lord yeah. is doing. And, Harry and Harry's like, like, no, no that's your, your job. job. And it's like, Ooh, hey. my job, my job, my job. But Snape, I'm actually kind of impressed. He's like, yeah, it is. I'm like, oh, oh, this is like he quite owns that a, shit. It's quite a cool thing to see because like, it's almost like Snape this whole time since the end of book four. We know what he's doing, but like no one confirms it. And yeah. like, it's kind of cool to see him be like, yeah, that is what I do. Mm-hmm. Like, However much Harry hates him, Harry is now perfectly aware how much Snape is pulling at risk by yeah. the job he's doing because it is the most risky job. Like, mm-hmm. hmm. Harry managed to fight off the Legilimens spell using kind of like a protego, like automatically. And what that means is Legilimens rebounds back on Snape. So Harry ends up seeing some flashes of Snape's past. And it's all really fucking sad. It's horrific. So he sees Snape's parents shouting at each other. He sees Snape as a lonely, bullied teenager. Like, it's, it's really, really horrible stuff. It's big sad. Yeah. One question I have, which I'm going to have to keep bringing up, but it's only really becoming relevant. No, we asked it in book four, I think, but why in God's name are memories from a third person's perspective? Harry says he's looking at like a long haired, greasy child crying in the corner. If it's Snape's memory, how is Harry looking at the child? When he goes into the pensive to view Bellatrix's trial, why is he sitting next to Dumbledore? I don't think that it makes sense. The only thing maybe is that it's because it's Harry going into his memory so he doesn't have a place in the memory. Maybe if you're looking at your own memory or someone else's memory where you're there, perhaps you then are from... But old Dumbledore appears in his own memory and pulls Harry back out in book four. Is that a film thing or is that in the book as well? It's a book thing. Oh, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, maybe it's a magic thing. But from a practical perspective... The way that we view the world and the way that our memories are formed are not... We don't create them in a vacuum. Literally, like, memories can be fake or falsified or altered. But that's what I was going to say. Maybe because, like, I have some, like, fake or, like, just kind of misremembered memories where I remember them from outside myself. Yeah. So maybe it's, like, the memory is really, really old... 
that's kind of how you see it. But if it's maybe it's newer, then you kind of are seeing it from how you actually remember it, maybe, or something. I don't know. If it's, like, newer. I don't know. Like, obviously, I get it from a I book. I think it's just bad, bad writing. I, I don't think it's bad. I get it from, like, a book literacy perspective that it makes the most sense for Harry to be able to walk around his memory. And we'll get to it in a few chapters when Harry can walk away from Snape and still hear everything that the marauders are saying to each other even though it's snape's memory like that's fucking ridiculous you're not watching a film that's yeah it do be dumb but yeah in this chapter we get i think harry he doesn't like snape after this this one the first instances of harry understanding a bit more about Snape, and i think it's one of the first instances of okay so from now until basically snape kills dumbledore I, i i i'm not saying he does i want to like keep an eye on it does Harry continue to suspect Snape for things? I'm not sure he does. I think he now like chills out on him thinking that he's on Voldemort's side and is like, and just I thinks hate that him. he's a general dick. Just thinks that he's a dick, but I think he thinks, no, that's not true because it's, no, it's end of book six when he realized, when he finds out that it was Snape who overheard the prophecy. So I think from now till then does he kind of still think snape is an utter bastard but believes he is working for dumbledore i i don't know i don't this, know this, this, these memories are here to humanize snape a bit yeah whatever um, happens a woman screams and snape goes what the which i don't know why i find that so comical what the? i think it's the idea of like alan rickman's snape going what the like what oh, the i can't fuck? do the impression but like i just find it like humorous it just yeah. it feels quite out of character for snape Oh, also, like, a note that I forgot to mention. During this lesson, Snape makes a comment about how he's giving up his evenings to do this. What else are you Bitch, doing? what would you be doing? You live in a school. Just wallowing by yourself and masturbating to old photos of Lily. live a pretty shit life. Like, they have to work 24-7, essentially. They can't go to the pub after work. They live in the fucking school. Yeah. He doesn't really seem to have any friends amongst his colleagues either. At least like Professor McGonagall, Professor Sprout are there like knocking back some fire whiskey together of an evening. And scissoring. No, that's... No, no, uh, I'm sorry. McGonagall definitely is bisexual. Bisexual, yes, but she is not in the thruple of... No, she's not in the thruple, but you don't have to be in a thruple to scissor someone, Hannah. Okay, okay. No, but I see the thruple as quite committed. I know you're confused because we scissor all the time and we're in a thruple. All the time. (laughs) No, but I see the thruple of Hooch, Sprout and... Grubbly Plank. Grubbly Plank. Yeah. Quite a committed thruple. But... Uh, yeah, I see them as a thruple, but one that throws sex parties and McGonagall is like a regular guest. Not even like, maybe she's not even bisexual. Maybe she doesn't identify that way, but like it's slim pickings and she's just kind of loosey goosey. And as long as she gets her nut in, like she's good, you know? Why are there no hot, cool men at this school? <laughs> well, there isn't. <laughs> like, and I said, why? What? Why? Just... I don't know, especially because Dumbledore hires people. They're all women. Like, what are the male teachers are there? There's Snape, obviously. There's um, Flitwick. Obviously. There's the ghost. There's the ghost. There's, uh, there's I believe... Obviously, like, the Defence Against Dark Arts teachers. teachers. Yeah, I believe... Is Vector a man? Or is the other class Hermione takes a man? I think one of them's a man. Maybe, yeah. But speaking of teachers, the scream is coming from the entrance hall. And Where so Prof T is getting sacked. She's being publicly fired at dinner time. Like, 
I know that Umbridge is bad, but she is literally throwing this woman's stuff down the stairs at the time when all the pupils are in the entrance hall. Just like, she's so, she's so evil. Like, it's actually like, like, okay, she wanted to fire Trelawney, but there were like other ways to go about this. Do you know what I mean? She's a sadist. We know she's a sadist. She likes to cut into children's hands and she clearly fucking gets off on it. It's disgusting. Yeah. Throwing her shit down the stairs. McGonagall, the queen, the icon that she is, who, McGonagall, who hates Sybil, she does not respect Sybil in any way, intervenes she's like stop this have a hanky get up you stop like bitch stop and stands in front of umbridge and causes a fight with her and i just i just i have no choice but to stand i could not love mcgonagall more if i tried like it's it hurts me how much i love her yeah same big same so dumbledore comes to fuck shit up he's like (laughs) no like (laughs) she can continue to live at hogwarts like you don't have the right umbridge is like on whose authority no but it's when yeah it's when umbridge says to mcgonagall on whose authority and dumbledore just goes "Mine." mine and i'm like how long were you outside the doors being like is it time is it, you know how Snape does the grand entrances? Dumbledore is doing a Snape right now. He's like, is it time? Are they going to say, yeah. oh, it's me. It's my authority. If you like a good dramatic grand entrance, there's like a bit in Buffy where there's like a bad villainous character. And I'm saying this as spoiler free as I can. And they're like, no one in the world has the power to stop me now. And then the door fucking swings open. And then a character that has been gone for most of the season and we don't know is coming back, like walks through the door and goes, I'd like to test that theory. Do and these people just, cause like, I don't hear things before entering a room. Are these people like pressed against literally, the door? Like, I think, it's ti- I think it's time. I do love that like cheesy dramatic entrance. I do. Like <laughs> honestly, like that moment in Buffy always makes me be like, yes. And I'll like react even though I've seen it like a hundred times. I like to imagine Dumbledore was just like behind the door jam and some first years had spotted him and he was like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Dumbledore insists that Trelawney live at Hogwarts, mostly because Voldemort would get her and kill her. Like she is the next best thing to the prophecy. Like, she cannot leave. Yeah. Umbridge is like, well, where's she going to live? Because when I've appointed a new teacher and Dumbledore's like, sorted that one too. Here's a teacher. Yeah. And it's Ferenz the Centaur. How was he already also, there? He, he's also just waiting. Like, he yeah. doesn't walk in until because Dumbledore like, is like, yeah, I've hired a new teacher. And then it's like, Ferenz. I get that, like, Dumbledore knew in general that she was going to get fired soon, but he didn't know exactly when, I surely, know. unless he's been eavesdropping or unless he's been like, friends, think it's gonna happen this week and just for like the entire week like the students have been walking by the front door like why is the centaur there he's just been waiting for days for his moment yeah honestly and then he's like it's me clip 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 clip. honestly the timing from both of them i'm like what yeah because you're right like dumbledore may have been informed even he may even have like maybe a formal letter had to be given to him first so yeah. he was like, it's going to happen now. But like, surely he would have had to have a pre-conversation with Ferenz beforehand. Like the timing of Ferenz I being feel ready. Like, I feel like he had the conversation weeks to months ago. Right. But mm. in terms of actually making sure that Friends was there for the dramatic entrance. I love it. I love it. I just, It's such a good chapter. It's so dumb. 
so but, dumb. Yeah. And yeah, that's the end of the chapter. It's a very, it's another one of these um quite mixed chapters. It- I hope that you're all enjoying that insight into life in Britain. It's not even a football chant. I don't know what that was. No, what's Super Jack? Super Jack. I don't know. Maybe it's just their mate Jack. Yeah, it was another one of those like very mixed chapters. Like it it swung between different events quite a lot. Mm -hmm. By the way, I'm nearly finished with this notebook and I refuse to now write in anything which isn't a notebook produced by us. So I'm going to have to purchase my own merch if you would like to purchase our <laughs> merch there will be a link in, in the, the episode in the thing as there always Charlie, is how, how lovely is this notebook oh it's, it's absolutely gorgeous i'm very excited about filling it up like it's very satisfying when you fill up a notebook i don't think i ever have what not even for the part i know you make notes on your phone yeah i've filled up this will be the fourth or fifth notebook i've filled up for, fourth notebook i've filled up for the podcast wow impressive but, yeah i'm gonna buy another one of our own merch i believe we get a discount for it being our own don't we yes we, we do still have to buy it mm-hmm. <laughs> so i might buy a different design you yeah, know spice it up. it up oh no we have a question oh yeah so this question is from bernie who do you believe is the better friend out of the trio hermione hermione she's not a perfect friend oh, punch each other oh 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 there's a fight 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 <laughs> Oh, is it a is fight gay. or is it a sexy fight? Is it a sexy fight? Quick, gay! <laughs> oh my god, I'm looking around. <laughs> <laughs> that was the funniest thing that's ever happened. They are literally, so these two guys outside the window were like play fighting, and I, as you heard, yelled gay, and they immediately broke apart and started frantically looking around. <laughs> And now we ducked down on the ground. <laughs> I was being supportive. I wasn't saying the gay in a bad way. It was hot. No, but we both at the same time were like, oh, they're fighting. Oh, it's gay. Yeah. <laughs> I love when men manhand- manhandle each other. That's why rugby is the best sport. Oh, literally. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah, who is the best, believe is the best friend of the trio? Hermione. Hermione is the best friend. She's like, not perfect, but the other two are just awful, awful friends. Like, like Harry, Harry is never aware. Of, Harry doesn't think of anyone but himself. No. Ron has so many of his own issues. Jealousy is, and selfishness. I believe Ron would be a great friend in adulthood. He is a bad yeah. friend with all the issues he has in his Big teenage time. years. Yeah, Hermione is like also a deeply flawed friend, oh, but yeah. also like best of the bad she's the only one that actually asks them how they're feeling sometimes Mm -hmm. and like yeah she does manhandle them in what they should do as in she's always like you should do this i've told you you should do this but like in terms of the three of them yeah she's the best she is so thanks for that question bernie yeah and And uh, thank you guys for listening we hope that you enjoyed this episode with some sexy background noises and me heckling (coughs) homosexual men on the street closeted homosexual men on the street yeah goodbye thank you for listening to this episode of goblet of wine to find us on social media search at goblet of wine pod on twitter or at goblet of wine podcast on instagram we also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do this podcast is produced by our wonderful hufflepuff tier patrons veronica simon sandra samuel matalib matt Kristen, Catherine, Emily, Chantel, 
Emily and Alexia. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon, where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.